Welcome to this episode of Reddit Guy. The subreddit we will listen to today is called r slash malicious compliance. Our first post of this episode comes from El Baramalo and it's titled One Electronic Item Per Tray. Sure, no problem. Long time lurker, first time poster, English not first language, you guys know the drill. This happened yesterday, as I was returning home from a two-week trip to Germany. The final leg of the flight departed from Paris, where I had this lovely interaction with the agents whom, despite me knowing are not TSA, I still refer to as TSA in my mind. While going through security in the airport, I know the drill, belts off, jacket off, take the laptop off my bag. So I submit to the X-ray four trays, one with my carry-on, one with my laptop by itself, one with my belt, watch and jacket, and one with my personal item, think a fanny pack. I'm randomly selected for further screening. I have a Lebanese last name and a beard. I'm always randomly selected for further screening, and the agent berates me for putting all my electronics together. I point out that I took my laptop out of the bag, as per standard procedure, and the agent says, screaming at me, mind you, that that is not enough. I must take out every electronic device from my carry-on and put each of them in an individual tray, and I'm being sent to the back of the line to do so. Here comes the malicious compliance. There are two things this French TSA agent is unaware of. The first thing is that I'm a videographer by trade and I was in Europe to cover an event, Spiel, with video footage and interviews. The second thing is that Air France changed my flight time so my two hours layover became a 10 hours layover, which I'm not particularly happy about. So I'm being sent back to the end of the line and I have to submit each electronic item individually. Sure, no complaints from me. Two camera bodies, one drone, one GoPro, four lenses, nine batteries and two lavalier microphones later, there is no more space in the treadmill. People behind me are complaining they will miss their flight, because I'm taking so long. There's nothing I can do, I'm just following the orders I received. And at this point, I only unpack my photography vest and fanny pack. The treadmill starts moving, some space clears up to put additional trays, and that's when I open my carry-on bag. Again, I'm in Europe for work. I didn't bring any nice clothes or shoes or anything. All my personal effects are in the checked-in luggage. The carry-on is filled exclusively with electronics. I still have four microphones, two recorders, lights, additional lenses, battery chargers, video monitors, audio monitors, drone controllers. Once I open my carry-on, it's very clear for everyone within eyesight that I'm not even one-third of the way done. One electronic per tray, sure thing, I'll just occupy this entire checkpoint by myself, then. The people behind me in line are literally jumping and screaming about their missed flight to the point the security agents leave their posts to control the line. Someone in a non-uniform suit appears and talks to the agent who sent me to the back of the line. That's when the unthinkable happened. The agent comes to me and says there would be no need for me to continue separating my electronics, and I could just submit my entire carry-on bag as a single item and they'd examine it further if it seemed necessary. You sure? I asked, because it's no bother at all. I can keep unpacking here all day long, they insist it's not necessary, but I still have over 20 trays at this point occupying the treadmill. I go through the metal detector, I spend some minutes recovering and repacking everything, and based on the amount of fuming passengers, I like to think I contributed to Charles de Gaulle reviewing their stance on X-raying individual electronics. The next post from Liz4 is titled That's not what I'm paid for. Okay then. Dot. I used to work for a chain of pubs who loved to have promotions tied up in red tape. At the point in this story I was technically a server on minimum wage but doing supervisor work. This had been going on for a while as the manager hadn't submitted the paperwork. 
In our country if you're on minimum wage your employer has to pay for any time you have to be available for work, required to remain on the premises, not just if you're actively working. Manager would frequently row to me on awful split shifts like 8.30am to 2pm then 5pm, close, approximately midnight by the time tills, cleaning was done. Because I was the only supervisor on shift I was expected to remain available for those middle three hours in case I was needed for manager stuff. Now, initially I didn't mind this so much cause the inconvenience of travelling back home to just come in again. I just chilled out with some free experiment from the kitchen and a good book in the corner of the bar. I did however change payroll if I was expected to jump back into action to add on however long it was. Few weeks into me doing this manager noticed. Manager, why are you down for 14 hours on Thursday? I scheduled you for 12.5. Me, it picked up at 3.30 and colleague was getting slammed. Manager, but why have you changed payroll? Me, cause that's what I worked. Manager, but you weren't scheduled to work, you chose to. Me, cause you told me to be available during those hours. Manager, I'm changing it back. You get paid for what's agreed. Me, what about tomorrow then? I'm on the same split shift. Manager, you'll be paid for when you're scheduled to work. Don't change it again without my approval. All right then, have it your way. The next day, bang on 2pm I stepped off the bar, grabbed my stuff and walked a few doors down to the local cafe. The server and the chef had my number if they needed me, cause I felt guilty leaving them to it, but they agreed not to let on to the manager exactly where I was, just to say I'd left if he came downstairs from his flat. Server also said she would call him in the first instance if it was busy, I don't think she ever liked someone having to hang around unpaid on principle cause she was a minimum wage worker too. A warning text preempted his call and his mood was as you could expect. I confirmed I wasn't in the building, he demanded I return, I threw the legislation in his face and reminded him I wasn't being paid for those three hours so I wasn't obligated to be on site. He wanted to go back to what I had been doing, but I told him that was off the table. He wants me there for three extra hours a day, I'm getting paid for it even if I've got my feet up. I told him his other option was to sign the promotion paperwork and then the law wouldn't cover me in the same way. It was signed before I got back to the bar. Not long after, I applied for a transfer. The next post from Comrade Patrick is titled It Just Needs a Stamp, Any Stamp Will Do. This happened to my buddy back in 2000. He was working in Russia but living over the border in Finland, for a variety of reasons, namely security and because the company had some housing over there. So he and a few of his colleagues, all US expats, would commute over the border into Russia every morning, and then leave and go home the same way in the evening. Four stamps in their passports each day, two in the morning from Finland and Russia, followed by two in the evening from Russia and Finland. This was post-Soviet Union but pre-9-11, so border security was strict but not particularly modernized. So for example, even though my buddy and his colleagues got to know the Russian border guards very well, the Russians would still occasionally dig their heels in about odd little bits of decorum and bureaucracy. Lots of rigid manual processes, etc. Before we go any further, the one thing you have to know about Russians' bureaucrats during this time period is that they loved their stamps. Everything required a stamp, and stamps were required for everything. It didn't matter what the stamp actually, most stamps were illegible. It was more the ceremony of it, the hallowed process of obtaining it and then presenting it to someone. The right stamp could open a door for you, but the wrong stamp could shut it abruptly. The border control process was no exception. So one day, my buddy and his colleagues were on their way back from Russia, but an errand that day meant they were closer to a different border crossing, not the one they used daily, where they knew the guards. 
Without thinking anything of it, they pulled their car into the queue at the alternate border crossing and got their documents ready. The border control guards were young and inexperienced and very risk-averse. They were immediately skeptical about this carload of unfamiliar Americans trying to leave Russia and return to Finland. My buddy's car was directed off to the side, and Russian guards with submachine guns slung over their shoulders ambled over to converse. After lots of furtive conversation amongst the border guards, they motioned over my buddy. He wasn't allowed to cross, they said, because he didn't have the right stamp in his passport. Which stamp is required? My buddy wanted to know. The guards were momentarily taken aback, but then they smirked and said, we'll know it when we see it. Cue malicious compliance, and or possibly international immigration fraud. My buddy and his colleagues piled into their car and drove a quarter mile back down the road to a Russian gas station. They turned into the parking lot and pulled out their passports. Quickly grabbing a red Sharpie marker and a US dime, my buddy colored the reverse side of the dime, the side featuring the torch and the sprigs of foliage, being careful to leave a few areas unmarked so the wording wouldn't come through too clearly. Then they took turns mashing the sharp-eyed dime onto a blank spot in their passports, creating the stamp that the Russian guards would be helpless to resist. It worked perfectly. They returned to the border half an hour later, mumbled something about having gotten their paperwork in order, and presented the passports. The Russians glanced at the passports, noted the stamp which looked very red and official and completely unfamiliar to them, and waved them through the border. They arrived home in Finland a couple of hours late, each of them with an odd-looking stamp in their passports that would befuddle and confuse immigration agents for years to come. The next post from Clearly Vivid is titled Soiled Chair. This happened when I was about five years old in my childhood home. My mom was away on business, so my dad prepared a basic dinner for him and myself and we sat down at our dining room table to eat. Being a child I suddenly had to pee. I asked to go the bathroom, but being a bit of hard-ass my dad said I had to finish eating before going. Nearly crying, I complained and insisted I really had to go, but he wouldn't budge. You're staying in that chair until dinner is finished. So I did what all good kids do, I obeyed. I looked him in the eyes and peed right in my pants and all over the chair I was sitting in. He was stunned. The chair was a total mess, and he knew he would have to clean it up. Needless to say he let me go to the bathroom whenever I asked from then on. We have a great relationship BTW, but be warned that if your kid needs to go, let them go darn it. Enjoy your weekend. The next post from Monolim is titled Bank forces me to use his ATM, okay sir. Dot. So. This a new thing, started this week, very unexpected and so much better than what I though it would be. Advisory, English not first language, so expect some funny words from time to time. Feel free to point it out, to correct them. So, in this days in my country most payment of products and services are regularly paid on bank branches with a reference code that is linked to the business account and automatically identifies who is paying. Before COVID, which now seems like a decade ago, people would carry cash, go to the business and pay their product, service there. But having forced to do it online, by email or WhatsApp due to COVID, they started issuing payment instructions to pay at the bank or online. But people being people, they like to use cash and are not very fond of using their electronic bank to make all these payments and generally don't trust the company's website to pay, due to a high number of card details being stolen and most websites not being very user-friendly. So, People now will line up in the bank to make this payments, making huge lines of old and new costumers, and making the old costumers complain about it. My bank started to buy ATMs that would also take money to make payments. Before you could see one in each branch for three of the regular ones. 
but now, they upgraded to three of the new ones, and three of the regular ones to keep up with demand. Up to here, that's fine and was very welcomed. Now on to the problem. A couple of weeks ago they issued a directive, saying from October 15th, no more services payments will be accepted in the branch, but only through the ATMs that take money. Use that or use the companies issuing the payment instructions website. Or take your money elsewhere. That for me, was a huge problem. I receive from 3 to 10 payments of different companies every day, I'm a middleman in my bussiness, and people like to come to me to hire the company's service and pay me for it, as I am authorized to do. Me being a good costumer of this bank, with my account, credit card, house mortgage with them was an issue. Taking my money elsewhere was no easy task. QMC. I talked to my accountant and asked if I could deposit this cash into my own account and pay it with my own credit card without getting into trouble with the IRS. Surprise, surprise, as I have such authorization as middlemen to receive the company's money, as long as I spend exactly what I enter in the account, that's fine. So now, I go to the bank, deposit into my account and pay with my credit card. R and yes, now I get 0.7% in cash back for all payments done with my CC. So now, I make an extra 100 every month, on them. Thank you so much. The next post from Dirty Pen Pal Doug is titled OK, Ill Do is Scheduled. Dot. So where I work we have different job flows. So in our department we have different kinds of work that needs processing, and so we go into different, projects, to await for the system to send us work. Now about six months ago they changed all the projects around. So we no longer have work going to certain projects. They're just dead space. So today I was assigned one of those dead space projects. Normally I contact my manager and they fix it. However my manager is ooh. And her manager is ooh. So everyone's gone save we get up the ladder. So I as them, hi am assigned to project. So what do you want me to work? The response was, why are you bothing me? Contact your direct manager, orc that's a spiteful response so I informed them those managers are out of office. So, what project does she want me to do? The one you were assigned, so inform her that there's no work in that project, and she replied, do you talk back to your manager that way? If you are scheduled to work that project, you do that project. I don't want to hear any more about it, okay then. I've done nothing today but read my book, read it, work on my aquariums. Cause I'm in that project and oddly. No works come to me. Oh well, not my problem. In working that project, there's just no work. Today's last post from Fallen Uroboros is titled I can't go home five minutes early. Then suffer. This happened a little while after Covid hit and one other co-worker and I got the job of cleaning the grease trap at the second half of our shift. To say the grease trap smelt awful is an understatement, in the time it took us to scoop the gunk out of this giant metal bin with old pickle buckets and walk upstairs and put the back door to throw the slop over the bank my co-worker threw up twice, I was a little smarter and kept my mask on to keep out the worst of it but it was still bad. We finished about 15 to 20 minutes early and we still had to close. Luckily we had one more co-worker dealing with all the foodstuffs. We finished all the non-food stuff but neither of us felt we could do any more as we smelled like death. So for the last seven minutes of my shift since she couldn't think of anything to do I just stood there. Right next to her. She lasted three minutes before you could physically see pain from the smell on her face and let us go early. Small victories after a long day are always worth it peas. Just for explanation as I didn't really think of it when posting. Our grease trap, as everyone calls it at work, has bare minimum actual grease in it as it's all runoff from the sink. We have screens in the drains, but stuff like coffee grounds, tiny food scraps, condiments, etc., get in there and it sits.
Stuff from the fryer goes straight into a barrel in the back lot for a biodiesel guy but I'd say about 70-80% to 80 of what we make are sandwiches.